All right, you can open up to Psalm chapter 46. That's where we're going to be. Well, I don't know if you've had extra time off of school or work, but many of you have. And um, I thought we would take this morning uh, to spend a little bit of time as, as a church family, to some degree looking back and reflecting and spending some time thinking back on the year. But really, kind of like the Advent season is, it's not just about looking back with a Christian. There's always this hope of the dawn, and there's always something new that God is doing. And so it's really uh, looking ahead as well. Uh, this morning, uh, I've, I've called the, the sermon uh, this morning, Settle Down. And uh, I don't know if you were ever told to settle down, but I thought that was my nickname growing up. I was told so often by, by coaches and by parents and by neighbors and by you know, friends, parents, and by just strangers passing by in front of me. I mean, people were constantly telling me to settle down. Um, God has blessed me with kids that I now say settle down to because they're the, the kind of kid that, that needs to be told that sometimes. Um, I don't know how you feel, right? I don't know what your, what your circumstances are like or what your schedule is like. Sometimes we long for a break. We long for a season where we can put down school for a bit or put down work for a bit. Sometimes... Uh, we find ourselves not as relaxed as we thought we would be, even though we have more time, even though all of a sudden we don't have some of our normal routines. Sometimes it can fill up with, with other things, um, especially if you travel or especially if you're visiting right, right here um, from a different place. What you find is that we live in a very exhilarating kind of place where there's a lot going on uh, much of the time. And someone said it this way one time, that living today is exhilarating, but it can also be exhausting. Uh, and there are some popular remedies for exhaustion and tiredness. Um, there's sleeping pills, herbal pillows, sleep music, white noise machines, earplugs, eye shades, adjustable beds, water beds, air beds, magnetic beds, isolation tanks if you're really wealthy, and my favorite, the sleep number. I was driving home from a trip just a couple of days ago, and right in the back of this big truck is a, is a guy and a gal super happy. Uh, they're in bed with nice pajamas on, don't worry. And they had their sleep number. They were showing, they were showing all this on the road. You know, his was an 80 and hers was a 22. And, and the implication is, you know, um, if you just get that sleep number, then you're good, right? And so there's all these different remedies for, for how to not be quite so exhausted. And yet, my question is, how are they working? Um, I don't think they're working that great. It's a huge industry. Um, but as I talk to people, as I interact with people, as I just go through life here, I think we live in a land of weary souls where, where people are just tired. Uh, this morning I want to, to free you from the popular yet faulty thought that busyness is next to godliness. You ever hear that little axiom before? Busyness is next to godliness. Uh, I want to show you some things from the scriptures this morning and, and lead us in a direction to show that that's simply not true. The Father rested on the seventh day. The creation rests as seasons, and then even day and night, every day and night, bear witness to the fact that, that the creation itself rests. God commands his people and land and animals and strangers among you to rest. Jesus, who's God in the flesh, came and spent his days in incredible creative activity and in rest. So as we talk about rest, let me just show you that there is a giant precedence here. God the Father, all of creation, commands of scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ, all modeling and showing rest. 
I mean, is it any small gift to us that God created and takes pleasure in your resting? That is a giant gift that many in our culture have just not received. It's been offered to them. It's been given to them. Christians, maybe, who've even seen the passages and they've rejected the gift. Psalm 46, if you're there, look down in verse 10. And this is going to be our text for today. We're going to take two verses. (coughs) Excuse me. Psalm 46.10. It says this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. God, as we hear the holy words of Scripture, God, those are the words that are going to change our life. Those are the words that this morning we want to submit ourselves to. God, I thank you for Bible reading plans and workout plans. I thank you for sermons. I thank you, God, that we can gather as a church. What we recognize this morning, and I just want to affirm at the start, God, is that your word is what's holy. That's what we want to take away this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. First part of this just simply says, be still. There's a beautiful invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's Jesus talking, and he says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, as you look at that passage and think in context and think of who he invited Um, to follow him, that doesn't necessarily mean this, that when you come to follow Jesus, you're going to be on a 24-7 vacation for a lot of the time. When you look at the life of Jesus and the disciples that he had, that wasn't the case. So when you start to think about what kind of rest does Jesus offer to you, it's something different than just a vacation. It's something different than a sleep number. Um, some of you will be able to track with me a little bit that, um, that, that life can be a little bit like this, this jar of water. Um, now, I decided this morning to go out and get some, some dirt from my backyard and, uh, and, and just kind of want to show you some things. Um, there's, there's some dirt in here from my backyard, and, and, it, and it represents, you know, as, as I stir this up and shake it around, um, it kind of represents the fact that life is agitating to us, right? There are constant disappointments going on. There are things that you thought would be one way, and they've turned out somewhat different. There's also illness, because we live in a cursed world, and so there's illness that goes on. There's accidents and evil that go on in the world. And with each one of those, um, your jar is a little bit more agitated. Now, take that and add to it your schedule. I don't know what your schedule is like this coming week, but sometimes when you take time off, it means that you're just coming back to a mountain of emails and a mountain of work. Shake it up some more, right? And, and just when you think you're digging yourself out, someone comes and there's more expectations put on you. So we just, we just keep agitating. You know, we just keep shaking it up. And, um, and if you think about it for a second, let me just set that. There's some information that you already know. Some of you have gone creek walking before, and you may have dropped something in the, in the little creek or river that you're walking in. And you already know this to be true, that if you want to find it, what you do is you just stop. Because it's all stirred up because you've been walking around and playing in it. And if you just stop, things begin to settle down. And when things begin to settle down, 
Now, I've already tested this. You're not going to see perfectly clear water, but here's what you'll be able to see. You'll just see things a lot more clearly when you just stop and let things settle. So it is in our lives. To stop and settle down allows us to see things clearly. Now, some of you know, um, so it's not totally clear, but you can see a little bit better through, through that water now. Some of you know this, that I'm all for agitated water. Uh, when, when the time is right, um, I think you ought to be busy and passionate and stirring up the water. I think you ought to be all about it. I think you ought to be 100% when you're doing that. But those seasons also need to be followed by the biblical pattern and the biblical mandate to stop and just settle down. To stop and spend some time reflecting. Knowing that your passionate activity is the right passionate activity actually depends on how well you stop and settle down and check back in with God. God, is this still the direction you want me to be be going in? Some of you are involved in some great ministries. My challenge to you, if you haven't done this in a while or if someone who's helping kind of manage and coach you along hasn't told you to do this in a while, you ought to stop and reflect. Am I still to be pouring in this direction? Am I still to be going in this direction? Same thing with your calling. Same thing with your vocation. Is to stop and to reflect on those kinds of things. The passage goes on to say this, Be still and know. <coughs> be still and know that I am God. Now, do me a favor and just give me some, some kind of categories that... Um, of lessons you've learned in, in 2012. You don't have to give me your specific thing, but give me, uh, give me kind of a, a broad example of something, like one of the lessons you've learned in 2012. I'm going to write a couple of these down and, and put them on the wall. Anyone got one? Uh, a, a big lesson learned in, in 2012. Anyone? Yeah. Stuff's not that serious. Not so serious. Next. To accept God's will. Yeah. Some of you are writers and journalers, and sometimes just writing things out of what you learned has been really, really instructive for you and helpful. I'm not much of one by nature, um, but I've really enjoyed, I've been forced to, especially on missions trips where the leader of the trip has said, you will take disciplined time and write some things out of what God is teaching and what God's showing you. Uh, It's been great to go back years later and just see some of the conversations I was having with God, some of the discoveries I was having with God, and writing down some of the lessons that I had learned um, along my, my journey. Now, think about how you know anything. I mean, think about how you obtain knowledge. Well, you study, right? That might be one way to do it. Some of you are very observant, and so you observe things, and that's gathering information all the time. Some of you ask great questions. Jesse, you can actually let that fall. Uh, Some of you ask great questions. Some of you ask great questions and then do the follow-up of really listening intently for the answer. Where you ask a question, you think someone has some knowledge that you want, and you really patiently listen with all that you are so that you can obtain knowledge from that person. There's all kinds of things. There's, There's just living life, and that gives you knowledge. Sometimes the hard way, right? That's called the school of hard knocks. Some of you are graduates. Some of you are in the master's program. That's tough, right? You just live life and you go, man, I'm learning stuff all the time. 
Here's another way that you learn things, that you ob- obtain knowledge, that you really know something. You stop and review. You hear something, and then you spend time. You invest time reflecting on what you just heard. You actually carve out time in your life to remember, to just stop and remember what you've already lived. Sometimes history cannot repeat itself. If someone has carved out time and said, no, 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 last time I did that, I'm going to stop and remember right now. I'm not doing that one again. I'm going to hang a left right here instead of going right. The Bible tells us to love God with all of our mind. If you're a Christian here this morning, that means that you're a thinker. You're called and commanded to be a thinker, not a wishful thinker. People have the wrong idea about Christians sometimes because someone wearing the guise or the label of Christian isn't in the habit, isn't in the practice of loving God with all of their minds. So they're wishful thinkers. You know how you can tell wishful thinkers versus real thinkers? You just have a trial come along. Those who have their faith built on the rock have really thought through and really wrestled through the questions and the doubts that they have about this book. Is this really God's word? Am I really to have it be something that's, that's over me, that makes calls in my life that I submit to as an authority? I'll tell you who's building on the rock. It's those who have thought those things through and wrestled with their doubts. And God's allowed that to grow and shape. Those who are wishful thinkers, you know what they are? They're people built on a sand. So, so the, the, the waves come, the trials come, just kind of washes you out. So we're called and commanded in Scripture to be thinkers. Let me show you a passage from 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, 2 says this, Think over what I say. That's Timothy being told by Paul to think back over these things. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Let me pause. That one verse is fantastic because it's your active role in this. You spend time thinking over what I've already said. And then what happens? The Lord comes in and makes up all of your lack. That's great. For me as a preacher, that's fantastic. Because I know I've got giant holes in my preaching. And what I know is this. The Holy Spirit will come and fill in the gaps of my preaching. When you're doing your work, you say, I'm not a real thinker though, Dave. That's not my bent. You go over and you think over what he's going to say. Now, God's going to come and and give you understanding in everything. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. He goes on in verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. This is Paul, an older man, writing to a younger pastor, and here's what he's saying. Some, if not much of your preaching, ought to be just review. You know what a good coach does? Good coach always comes back to fundamentals. Guys being paid millions of dollars to do phenomenal things on the, on the athletic field, you know what they're being taught? The same things that my eight-year-old's being taught in sports. You come back to fundamentals. You come back to some of these basic things. Think over what I say. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. I mean, that's the gospel. That's, that's Christianity 101. He's saying, think on that. Remember that. And then he charges them, remind them of these things. Review and remembering and reflecting take time. 
They take stillness, don't they? They take carving out time to just stop and focusing on that. My question to you is this. How is your knowing going? Be still and know that I am God. How's your knowing going in your life? Some of you, um, I know, were challenged and, and, um, and, and grown by our apologetic series last January. We have something coming up in, in this January, in a couple of weeks that we've been promoting and telling you about, called Compelled. It's several churches coming together to just be challenged and encouraged and grown in how to share your faith. Part of that is you. Tim made a great comment a couple of weeks ago when he came and preached here. He said, if you're not a Christian, if you're not convinced Jesus is, in fact, risen from the dead, please don't share your faith. That's actually undoing something. It's the Ford guy selling you a Chevy. He drives a Ford, but he works at the Chevy dealership. There's a disconnect there. So part of that is your own uh, going and, 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 and knowing and, and going through the effort of that. Now let me show you uh, what, what can be a, a problem um, in this. I'm going, to try to, I'm going to try to illustrate this for you. Uh, Travis, come on up. I'm going to pick on Travis since he's sitting close. This is just going to be a little illustration. Some of you are like, I've, I've wanted colorful balls in church for a long time. Um, here it is, the last Sunday, and your dreams are coming true. Um, I just want to show you um, a little bit of what... Here, catch. Okay, give it up. He got one. Give it up. Okay, <clears throat> now, uh, thank you, Travis. He's even getting the balls, which is what I need. I need those back. Um, one of the... <laughs> <clears throat> You're much kinder than I am. Uh, come here, Charles. I'm not done with you. Um, come on. Yeah, seriously. Um, he's all really. Now, watch. No, I'm kidding. Um, um, let, me, let me do this again. Um, this, we'll, we'll do the red and white one since it's Christmas time, okay? I want you to catch the red and white ball, okay? If, if you catch that red and white ball, there's a prize for you, okay? All right? So you catch the red and white ball, okay? Give it up for him. Thanks, buddy. Your prize is like three seconds of glory. Good job. Um, thanks, man. You just sit down. Um, here's, here's, what's, here, here's what's happening with that. Um, it's easy to lose sight of what's most important because simply of the sheer number of options coming at us. Isn't that true? I mean, each one of the balls that was tossed at Travis, I can't believe he caught the first one just getting one, but but each one of those is a cell phone ring, a ping from a message, a memo from a boss, a need from a family member. Sometimes you go and you go to buy something. I was having a conversation with with a lady in a grocery store recently, and we were talking about orange juice. I was there with my kid, and and I'm, I'm always looking for the lowest number per ounce. That's how we buy orange juice. I mean, we have some standards, you know, um, we're not doing Sunny D, come on. But I'm looking for a low number, right? We've got a lot of orange juice, so quantity to price is a, is a key factor. And as I'm looking around this, she's sitting here just kind of like, you know, dumbfounded by all the choices, and we both concur, we both agreed that we said, you know, it'd be so much easier if it's like, here's the orange juice, right? But sometimes we just have so many options coming at us that it can, that it can paralyze us. Stopping and reflecting, settling down, is to stop and say, you know what the most important one is this one right here. We hear from God and he says, catch this one. Did you see that he didn't even react to the first three choices? He just let them bounce off his chest. I wonder how good we are at just letting options come and fall away, melt away, and we don't, we're, not, we're unfazed by them. 
Don't you marvel that some people can go through life in the Silicon Valley and live life somewhat like that? They seem to have a firm grasp on what's really important. If you're like me, you probably go in phases where there's times you feel like you're doing that really well and there's times that you don't. Now, here's the other, uh, here's the other thing I want to show you. Um, over here, I wrote, I wrote a note just a second ago, and it's one of the most important life lessons of someone in the room. It's to, it's to accept God's will, and here it is on the ground. Right? Um, the, the, the big lessons of life. This one would have fallen, but we had a good Samaritan come and stick it back up. He's like, I can't do it all, but I can do this, so I'm going to stick it up. So he put that one back up. That one stayed. This one's face down on the ground. Once again, a really big one. God is in charge, and here it is laying on the ground. So here's what I, here's what I want to point out to you. This one's just hanging by a thread. Thanks. And just, and just the slightest walk by might knock this one uh, away onto the ground. Big lessons of life lose their stick. You go through life, learn this giant thing. It's been a year unlike anything else. And then, and then you post it up and you say, it's so good, I'm going to write that one down. But big lessons lose their stick. That's the bottom line. So what we have to do, here's what reflecting does. Here's what settling down does so you have some clarity. Stopping, being still, knowing that he is God. Cause you to walk back by and say, that lesson can't lay on the ground right there. That's too big. God's in charge. Submit to God's will. Be thankful. These are way too big. I've got to do more than a sticky note. We've got to frame this one. Give me a nail. We've got to get this thing back up. We've got to take the important things and put them back in front of our face so that when these things come at us, we know it's the red and white one. You can't fool me. I know it's the red and white one. I fell for that pink one last time. I'm not doing it. It's the red and white one. That's the one that's most important. That's the one I'm going after. That's what I'm going to grab onto. He goes on in the passage to say this, I will be exalted. Who's talking here? It's God. It's not the psalmist. It's God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. If you were to do a reading plan this year, I would challenge you and invite you (coughs) to read through the scriptures with this in view. Read through the scriptures with the view of God's glory in mind. Because from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, God's glory is in view. He's concerned about it. He's accomplishing it. And here's the secondary subtext to it. And we're a subtext in this. Is that God's glory is always for our good. Now, as the circumstances unfold in every individual's life, we don't always look at the circumstances in our lives as being good. Look at the disciples. Look at some of the martyrs. Look at the very people of God wandering in a desert for 40 years. That's a lifetime to some of us. It not always seems good in the moment, but when we see it, we know that, that God is accomplishing his purpose and his glory. Being still and knowing God causes us to realize that he's accomplishing his purposes. What comfort there is in knowing that God will be exalted in the earth. Now think back for a second on 2012. There's, there's, a, certain, um, there's a certain flashlight. I don't know how, how big of a lens you have or what, what news and media and what you give your attention to, 
But let's just take some of the major media and things that are out there. And if I could put it like a looking glass, it would be something like this. They have the ability to kind of come and take and focus a spotlight. It would be like a flashlight, so to speak, in this room on certain kinds of events. And if all you ever do is spend your time thinking on that, I would venture to guess that you would turn into a fairly fretful person, a fairly anxious person, worrying about what has happened, worrying about what will happen, and who's in charge of that? It's whoever's holding this flashlight, showing and spotting the the little spotlight, right? Let me give you some big news stories from 2012. Uh, London Olympics, remember those? There's been ongoing war throughout the world, most recently Syria's getting a lot of attention. There was a, something called an election recently. There were shootings in Colorado and Connecticut. There was a superstorm, Sandy. And, of course, there were replacement referees. Now, you take all of this, right? And you say, man, at that time, oh, yeah, the Olympics happened. I mean, how many hours and dollars went into promoting and seeing London? A thing you think, I'll never forget. If you went to that, you may say, I'll never forget that. Here to six months later, like, oh, yeah, that was this year. It was an Olympic year. Phelps, I remember that guy. Gabby, oh, yeah. I mean, these different stories pop into your mind. You know what that is? It's, it's, a, it's a little lens being shown to you, right? And, and there was different things that dominated our attention if that was our sole source. Let me, let me just show you a little perspective. Um, if, if you were to do that alone, then, then you would be controlled by wherever that spotlight goes on. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the earth and amongst the nations. That's a little bit like turning on the lights in this room. When you sit down and you fill your mind with the Bible, here's what you do. You pull back from a little flashlight. I'm not saying don't read the flashlight. Read the flashlight. I think that's important. But how much more should your brain and your mind and your creativity and your imagination be saturated with the giant story that God's telling? That's turning on the lights in the room and being able to look around and see, oh, yeah, the Olympics. Oh, yeah, the election over here. What happens is, when we, when we turn the lights on, all of a sudden we see this bigger picture and we say, wow, God's actually inviting. The author is inviting me in to be a part of this story as he exalts his name in all the earth. Wow. One of the things I want to do, I want to invite Steve up right now. Um, Steve and Ida Irwin are here. And uh, just give it up. They're one of our missionaries, for those of you who may not know. Um, and I've asked... Uh, I've asked Steve to come on up and, and share a little bit. I, um, I don't even know which direction. We talked about two different directions. Oh, yeah, he told me just before. Um, uh, we had talked about two different directions that he would go. And um, what I want to have him do a little bit is just share a little bit outside of our context about how, how God is exalting himself, how he's being exalted um, there in, in North Mexico. So, Steve. All right. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Okay, well, that's us, Steve and uh, Aunt Ada Irwin with New Tribes Mission. And uh, we're here to think about what God is doing in the nations. Uh, verse 8 of that uh, Psalm 46 says, Come and see what the Lord has done. And it talks about a lot of powerful things that he's done. And then it jumps to verse 10 and says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And exalted just means lifted up. And throughout this year of 2012, God has been lifting up his name. Um, Let's go on to the next slide, Carl. Next one. All right, good. God's messengers have been leaving their families and friends and their homeland to go and live with people who have never heard of Jesus. 
They've been learning to understand their language and speak it so they can understand the worldview of these people and uh, communicate with them at their heart level. The tribal people have heard good news that they can be rescued from the powers of evil spirits uh, by the power of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, The people who have believed that gospel have been learning to walk with God, learning to turn to him to meet the needs, uh, learning to turn to him to heal them when they get sick, to provide their daily food, give us this day our daily bread, to protect them from harm. And also they've been sharing God's truth with their relatives and friends. In uh, West Africa, the Landuma believers in Guinea celebrate the birth of Jesus in a different way. Many of them were totally ostracized when they believed the gospel because they had to leave Islam. And Islam, as you know, uh, doesn't let go of their people easily. So ostracized means their families won't talk to them. They're kicked out. They get no inheritance. They can't marry the neighbor's daughter. Nobody wants to have anything to do with them. One of the ways they take comfort as they celebrate the birth of their Savior is to sing songs about his persecution and his rejection because they can identify with that. Um, Let's go on to the Beam people. The Beam people, or the BM people, sorry, it's the BM people. Although Beam's hearing the light, I kind of like that beam of light. Um, Heard the gospel for the first time in 2012. Um, The chief of their tribe testified that the Lord had grabbed his heart and changed him. He said, today I know my sins are paid for, and it's only by belief in Jesus. It's very clear to me. I never understood this before. But today it's all so clear. The message reached him, and he went home and began sharing with his family what he had heard. The family thought there must be something wrong, and people started gathering. But it was just the chief putting it all out in the open about how he's been made alive. This is what he said. He said, I'm going to be writing yesterday's date, September 28, 2012, on the inside wall of my house. This is the date. My dead spirit was made alive. And in Mexico, we're praying that a a team of Mexican missionaries will be able to share the good news of salvation with the Triqui people in Baja, California in, uh, in 2013. They've been working all year on developing lessons, uh, from creation to Christ to tell the whole story from beginning to end. And, uh, you may remember when I've been here before that I shared with you that Triqui language is very tricky. Um, it's a tonal language as it's hard to, as hard to learn as many dialects in China and Thailand. It's about seven tones to it. Uh, they were trying to figure out how to build, how to create a syllable chart to teach the people how to read and write their own language. There are so many syllables they could not fit them like on the whole wall. So I don't know what they ever decided to do about that. Our job personally, oh, sorry about that. Don't touch the mic or <laughs> Our job is to equip Latin American uh, Christian missionaries. This is the team that's going to the Trikis right now, and they're all, they're all Mexican. Our job is to equip them with the tools that they need to do this cross-cultural church planting among tribal people so that they can have a similar story to what we heard about the Beam and the Landuma and uh, the Dao and other people. Let me just finish up with one last story. Uh, the, the Palawano people of Brooks Point 
in, uh, in uh, the Philippines also heard the gospel for the first time this year. Um, I'll just read it. It'll go faster and you'll get more out of it than if I try to explain it. Uh, the gospel has been powerfully at work among the Brooks Point Palawano people as Dave and Julie Ward presented the gospel to them in their language for the first time this year. After finishing the Bible lesson on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Tisito, their language co-worker, that's this guy, made a confession of faith, and he put his trust in Christ as Savior. And Tisito told Dave and Julie, the missionaries there, he said, before you came, the way to God was rough and overgrown and hard to find. Now it's a clear path. If you had not come to tell us the truth, I would have drowned in my sins. And a few days later, on a Sunday morning, Ludi and Jawali believed and confessed faith in Christ. And Julie shared that Jawali threw her arms around me and just sobbed and sobbed. And finally she blurted out, they put Jesus on that cross. They stuck those nails in his hands and he hung there and died and took all our sins and the sins of the whole world. He did it for us. These missionaries were amazed to see God's visible work in Palawano lives. It was all finally happening. And the most amazing thing of all was that all we had to do was give them the message in their own language, and the Holy Spirit did the rest. We just stood back and watched the Lord at work. We are so overwhelmed with the goodness of God for giving us this wonderful blessing of new brothers and sisters in Christ. And God's doing things like this all over the world. Um, People are translating the Bible. Uh, You're part of it through us because you support us. But maybe God has a a personal role, a bigger role for you. So as you're reading your Bible, think about that too. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Closes with these words. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We inherited a great Christmas decoration from uh, some family, and it was kind of a good commentary on Christmas for a lot of people. I don't know if you catch it, but there's a few pieces missing. So we inherited all but Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Um, and so that's set up. We have this great armoire that we've never used to kind of display much, and here it was sitting there. And uh, uh, I thought, wow, what a, what a picture, you know, of, of Christmas celebrating without, without the center part of, of the story. Um, and, and how hollow it is and how bizarre it is to have everyone focused in on, on something that isn't even there. Um, the fact is, though, that, that God is with us, and repeatedly we're told, just like a father would comfort a child when they're distressed, I'm not going anywhere, I'm right here. When a child cries out, Mom's here, Dad's here, we're here for you. I will never leave you or forsake you, Hebrews 13. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you, John 14, 18. And surely I am with you even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28 and part of the great commission to go to the nations and to make disciples. And doesn't his presence change everything? I mean, think back on 2012 and imagine going through some of what you went through without Emmanuel, God with us. Imagine what that would be like, that you went through your year without God. I think about the Lord being with us as provision for our journey, unlike 
anything else. So when we say that God gave the gift of himself, that really is an accurate thing to say. So not only is he with us, <coughs> but he's also our fortress. As a kid, uh, every, everyone who has ever had a snowball fight, a dirt clod, we had dirt clod fights here because we didn't have much snow in San Jose, um, or, a, or a rubber band fight, uh, you would always build some sort of a fort that you could go and take cover behind, usually much to the chagrin of my mom because it was pillows from the couch or something. But you'd build a fort where when the fighting got too intense, you knew you could jump behind it and it would handle the onslaught of rubber bands or whatever was coming your way. And to think about the fact that God is with us and that God is our fort, God is our fortress. He goes through great pains. And again, some of you will read the Bible, I hope, for the first time this year, all the way through. And as you read over and over, you see that God's taken great pains to show that he is the Lord of all armies. So armies that are outnumbering you, outclassing you, out out warfaring you, they're, they're equipped better than you, you see that God can come in and should he choose, he can frustrate their plans. Should he choose, he can take small little you and overcome giant odds. Because we trust and know and because we're still and we know that he's God and that he will be exalted amongst the nations. Isn't that phenomenal to hear um, people groups hearing the gospel for the very first time? Because you know that God is working for his glory, even when you're being routed by someone, even when you're taking heat, you recognize and realize God's got a bigger plan. The lights are on in the room. I'm not looking at this through a flashlight right now. God's got it. I want to invite the band up. We're going to sing one more song. We're going to close out our service with something uh, special we have going. And as we do, I want to just... direct your attention this way. Maybe some of you just need to hear the voice of God. Settling down allows you to to block out and and stop just the onslaught of noise that can kind of come at you sometimes. Some of you may need to pick up the ancient discipline of solitude practiced by Jesus Christ, which means get away from it all. Fast from speaking for a while. Fast from hearing and being in the rat race with everything else. Just go by yourself. Go be by a desolate, quiet place for a season. Some of you need to settle down so you can hear the voice of God. Some of you need to settle down so you can regain perspective. What I love is that this becomes a weekly Sabbath. I love that churches are called sanctuaries because we really can come in from whatever our week has brought us and let this be a weekly Sabbath that we build in the fabric of our schedule preaching to the choir because you're here on a Sunday morning, my invitation to you would be this. Even on weeks you don't feel like you need a weekly Sabbath, even on weeks you don't feel like it, keep showing up. Part of the Christian life is you just keep showing up and come. And so many times, doesn't God meet us here in a place in a way that we didn't expect? We thought we needed to hear from God one thing, and we walk away just refreshed in some totally different kind of a way. Build and keep this fabric in your life. Finally, some of you need to settle down so you can just discern the will of God. Some of you may say, man, I don't know what my big lessons are. I'm so focused on 2013. I'm so focused on next week or next month. I've got this giant decision. Which school should I go to? Should I propose? Should I move? Should I stay in this job? Do I need to have this conversation? God's been stirring me away from this. Should I take this step over here? 
Some of you need to settle down just, just so that you can discern the will of God. Let me pray, and then we'll uh, sing and continue. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the gift of Sabbath. I thank you for the gift that you've given to us in resting. I pray, Lord, that you would help us develop a culture of resting in our families. God, for family leaders, uh, I pray that you would help us know what this means in the, in, in, in the days we live in, God. It seems to be a forgotten art. It seems to be, God, that, that we're pressed into more and more and more until we break. And then we wonder what happened. God, I pray for those who are contemplating getting into your word and not giving lip service to it, God, but by faith saying, well, I'm going to discipline myself to eat the words of Scripture, that I might have a testimony, that I might remember the testimony like some of these people, God, that look and live so differently from our experience here. And yet the same gospel is accomplishing your glory all throughout the globe. We long for it to happen here, God. We pray that it would happen here. As we now, God, worship with our mouth, worship with our money, God, I pray that you would take what we give in both of those and use it for your glory. Help us to be partnering with you and understanding that we're part of a giant story where your name is being lifted up and exalted throughout all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.